and welcome to Movie of the Year, the only podcast that has the science and the screaming to determine what the best movie is of any given year. If you want the full breakdown of what the science and the screaming and how they relate to each other, you should go back and listen to part one of this finale, because this is part two of the 2002 finale. Boop, 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 boop. That's right. Our air horns kind of run out of steam because it's been a long season. <laughs> That's been like the last I, four toots it's got. <laughs> I am your host, Mike Gravano. That delightful laugh you've heard is Greg. Hello, everybody. It's me, Greg. And also, he has a charming laugh. He just doesn't like to show people on this show is Ryan. <laughs> Deborah. <laughs> it's so weird how every time Ryan laughs, he ends up by saying Deborah. <laughs> I say Deborah, but sure. Gentlemen, yes. Part two, two thousand and two. What are your feelings on part twos? Honestly, when, are we talking Godfather's? Because thumbs up. Are we talking Star Wars? Because thumbs up. Well, I guess part two now is Attack of the Clones, which is no. We we everybody knew what you meant. Yeah, right. So <laughs> the Last Jedi. Yeah, for sure. Problem Child two. Honestly, thumbs I, up. I do love the Last Jedi. Yeah. Though you guys want to talk about that? It's at least the most interesting to talk about. Right? No, that's not what we're here to do. You will not distract me right now. (laughs) Christ. If you want to hear the first part of round one and all those battles, you should go back. I was going to say a week, but I don't know. Scroll down a little in your podcatcher. And also, we gave out a lot of good awards. We're going to dive right into it right now. Ryan, best on-screen duo. On-screen duo, not nominated. Was this too clever for you guys? Because Gollum was not nominated. As, I guess, I guess maybe, but I think that we should have let that be nominated because that would have been interesting. No, I got it. <laughs> Mike is a two towers hater, so so much that he calls it the two twins. This <laughs> guy, uh, and then also not nominated. Uh, Greg was Connie and Paul from Unfaithful. I'm okay. That's that. That wait. That's the that's the couple. That's the 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 wife and the guy that she's dating. Yes. I'm a little surprised yes. because um, honestly, we have not had as much steam on and en- like of any movie as appears in this one. And the two of them are white hot. Is it true that uh, like, tamales? We didn't accidentally delete that show, but Apple Podcast said it was too steamy. Just us talking about yeah, it. Yeah, they're like, man, yeah. we cannot have these scenes described. It's the most sultry any of our voices has ever sounded, <laughs> and Apple couldn't handle it. Yeah, an important reminder that Unfaithful is a lost episode of this show. We uh, like to select one per season <laughs> to lose, and uh, I think God it was selects Unfaithful. Yeah, it's the the lost episode is for Elijah. Yeah, He's, dude, he has leave? all those empty chairs. He's got to listen to something. <laughs> Unfaithful was a bummer. Last season's brighter summer day. That one hurt. That fuck. Yeah, yeah, that was like. Why did you remind me of that? <laughs> yeah, because Unfaithful, we were like, uh, you know, 75% of this movie was great. Last 25% was really bad, so it doesn't doesn't really add up to much. Brighter Summer Day was like one of those like changed our lives, you yeah. know, changed our relationship. To also, film. I just needed proof that I've seen it because it's like four hours long. Yes. You know, uh, I swear, I swear I watched this. Greg, the first nominee for on-screen duo is Abagnale's Junior and Senior. Yeah. Wow. Um... You know, some of these on stu- on screen duos, you're only getting the kind of one feel. Um, Paul and Connie, you're really only getting the, the steam heat. Uh, but mm-hmm. you get so much out of this father and son, and their relationship really informs the entire movie. This idea that like uh, the kid is like reveres his father, who is one of history's big losers. <laughs> so, and that kind of like the momentum of that carries the entire film. I was yeah, it is is a real sins of the father movie. Hell yeah. Watching the Abby Nails, like, it touched me, but watching Connie and Paul, I touched myself. <laughs> when I think about Connie and Paul. You're going to get this one pulled off of iTunes as well, Ryan. Is that what you want? <laughs> is this too steamy? Yeah, already? we got too steamy. Should we do it too steamy for podcasting <laughs> infomercial? Uh, Mike, your next nominee, and this is, I think, Gollum level clever. It's Charlie and Donald Kaufman from the movie Adaptation. I guess if Charlie and Donald shared a body... Mm. The way I'm going to touch myself again if you keep talking. <laughs> uh, just it's he just floods the market with Cage, and so people forget that he is one of the best living actors or ever actors. I think he is in the pantheon. One, so good. One question I always had about, about this movie is why does uh, 
why does the the better brother have a bad back mm-hmm. because he wouldn't think he would and then i realized watching it this time they did that just because it's so much easier to stage the scenes if one of them is lying flat on the ground yes. and the other one then can be like anywhere else and then it's easy to put them together <laughs> I thought you were going to say because he is carrying the movie. Oh, uh, yeah. I can see that. Like, the back hurts because it's carrying something. Mike, yeah. speaking of carrying the movie, the next nominee is Lilo and Stitch. Who carried the movie more than those two? The you sister. Want- the I big mean, sister, obviously. There's there's no movie without Lilo and Stitch, though. I mean, they're in the title. <laughs> Otherwise, it's, it's just people just hanging out in a small town. On the poster. <laughs> Come see Hawaii, <laughs> the movie. Can I have one ticket for... <laughs> Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, that one. Just, Disney, <laughs> the sort of purplish blue rectangle. Okay, I'd go see the ampersand the movie. You guys know how I feel about ampersand. We have so little time to talk about Lilo and Stitch on tonight's show, and you are blowing it. Uh, they are delightful together. This movie should be bigger than it is, and it's all because of the the charm and magnetism they have together. They they are a modern comedy duo. You know what happens? The Disney ones that don't have songs. Like yeah. they they can be really good, but they just fall to the wayside. You gotta have those like that's how you stay in the yeah for the kids and stuff. And yeah, you stay part of the conversation if like there's a soundtrack and everything. But if it's yeah. just it, uh, and I don't think when you're watching the movie you're like, man, I wish they'd start singing. But I just think that that's what the appeal is. The songs in this movie are all done by the same guy who did the songs for A Brighter Summer Day. Yeah, but he wasn't. The characters weren't singing as him. No. I know it's Elvis. Or hey, I know Phil Collins didn't sing as Tarzan, but like oh, they didn't do that. They're like, <laughs> you need your Phil. You need your Lin-Manuel Miranda. And Elvis just wasn't doing it in 2002 for the folks. Elvis sucks, man. Greg, the next nominee is... Fuck him and John Wayne. <laughs> Velma and Roxy Hart. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, like, the reason why we have a category like on-screen duo is so that, like... We can their power levels shift in relation to each other, and so we see that evolution of that relationship. Um, so much entertainment, so much talent. Yeah, I think that this is a probably probably got the inside edge for best duo. And I want to make it clear because we're mostly talking about 2002. Greg is using the word talent in the Webster's Dictionary definition, not how a lot of gross dudes in 2002 <laughs> described. Oh yeah, I'm not using like talent. this is like pickup artistry or something. I'm not using what a lot of talent in this bar tonight, folks. Does that mean boobs? Just hot it girls. Just hot girls with boobs, though. I guess Ryan was not as gross as Greg and I were in O2. Well, I mean, she. It might be boobs. It might be, might be butt. You know, it could be. Hey, a lot of ways to be talented, right? Why don't we give ourselves all a high five for not making any set of boobs the on-screen duo nominee? I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, that's what white guys need to do. They need to congratulate themselves <laughs> yeah. more. Because nobody else is. Mike, the final nominee is one Morvern and uh, two Lana. Yeah, it's it's a different set of frenemies, uh, akin to Roxy and Velma, but these ones are constantly lying to themselves about their power dynamics and how they don't actually really like each other, and they'll continue to always have secrets from each other. But they are magnetic on screen. Your nominees for best on-screen duo are Abagnales Jr. and Senior, Charlie and Donald Kaufman, Lilo and Stitch, Morvern and Lana, and Velma and Roxy. This is a strong category. Yeah, a lot of talent. (laughs) Stop saying it like that. (laughs) And your winner is... Charlie and Donald Kaufman. You can't go wrong with that. You can't go wrong with that. A Nick Cage match. Nick Cage and Nick Cage. Two Nick Cages enter. Only one Nick Cage may leave. <gasps> For those keeping score at home, uh, Morvan Collar has one award. Adaptation has two. Mm-hmm. We're going to take the quickest of breaks. And when we come back, let's get these battles going. <laughs> well, that is very, very funny or very sad. And perhaps now you have something to think about or very problematic and perhaps we have something to think about. But in any event, I'm sure you have some reaction to what you're listening to. So why not check us out on the social media? You can go to Instagram or Twitter and find us at Your Pop Filter. Email contacts at Your Pop Filter. Hey, everybody. Keep watching them movies. My gentle taste friends. It is round one, battle five. And this, again, these matchups, if you listen to the last episode, which you should have, there's some kismet in how they're lining up. And these are like, what if this was history? 
this does not take place in modern times or even in the 20th century. Just far back in the Earth's history, we have Russian Ark versus Lord of the Rings, the Twin Towers. Shit. All right, let's do this. Let's do this. Everything a movie could be between these two movies. Um, Two of the best in different ways movies of 2002. Two movies that have, on the surface, nothing to do with 2002. Deeper down, though, everything to do with 2002? Yeah, question mark, certainly on that. Um, very, very different experiences. I mean, the, the the Two Towers, like I would say the ultimate popcorn movie. Um, and then Russian Ark is enjoy- If you eat popcorn, you will miss something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Sorry, it, it feels like it feels like you you can't look away from the screen, so you just gotta like put the hand in the, in the popcorn bucket and just like use the use your sense of feel to figure out what's going on there. Or have someone next to you for every time you put your hand in the popcorn, and somebody slaps it away and goes no. And no. Russian Ark is exciting as an idea, and it is fascinating as a film. But as an experience, because I'm looking for how do you, you know, where are you going to look for the areas where you can differentiate these two? Right. As an experience, I enjoy watching The Two Towers literally every time I watch it. And I, that's, I do that all the time. I've seen Russian Arc twice. And maybe I kind of enjoyed the second time. Uh, but the first time was arduous because I was like, I have to make sure I'm laying in a foundation for my second viewing here, but I'm letting myself be confused and I'm, and all this other stuff. And then the second time as, as I viewed it and sort of filled in the gaps, knowing what was going to happen and knowing who to pay attention to or not, it was interesting, but like not an exciting, wonderful, compelling. Well, no, it was compelling, but just not a fun experience. I don't think that what we strictly do here is recommend, but I can't think of a worse way to get somebody in 2023, what with content being at the level it is, to watch something than say, all right, the first time you're watching it, just lay the foundation for your second time. <laughs> and, like, yet, and yet that is what you would say about some of the best movies we've ever done for the show, right? right. I mean, like, um, like Come and See um um the mirror not the mirror but mirror, mirror. right like uh, even brighter summer day is like yes yeah the second time you rock that four-hour movie yeah you're gonna really love it and yes and the, the thread between all these movies is they are thoughtful they are foreign yes uh put your phone away in a different they're house dense. and watch them but they're they're really it's i don't want to be an old man because it's people our age and older i think all of them are unrecommendable to normal people unless you're somebody who like wants to take movies seriously yeah i would say i would rush an arc and talk to her are the two where you have to like know who you're talking to whereas like oh you've never seen lord of the ring the two or let me say it how you would say it. you've never seen lord of the rings the two towers <laughs> it's very easy to recommend have you seen or do you like action movies with heroes and shit yeah do you like like hair kind of blowing in the breeze you like powerful wizards. Yeah, dude, I like all these things. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes you can like all those things. And so we get to... Doesn't play for you. In this particular battle, we get to decide whether the 2002-edness, the excitement, the name recognition, whether all of those things manage to supersede a technological triumph, uh, a, a deep artistic endeavor. And it's I have to say... a novel of a movie. It, there are moments that are breathtaking, like suddenly entering into a ballroom and moving through a crowd of people like there and the costuming and the, like the blocking of all of that people for one second, looking right down the barrel of the camera and then quickly snapping their eyes away as they realize they're not supposed to do that. So there is, there's just the one chance we get to do yeah, this. Dude. Guys. Do not look at the camera. Am I in the way? Oh no. Don't get out of the way. Yeah, just all the people that you see behind, um, like, local news reporters reporting from the scene <laughs> of the crime. And also kind of interesting because we are in the crux of another Russia versus the West struggle now. Mm. And it is interesting to watch a movie from the Russian perspective and be like, all you have done, if, you know, if you're Russia, your, your accusation is all you have done for hundreds of years is treated us like a little more than animals and basically right. said that we can't have nice things. We can't be artists. We are invalid. We are not a people. And it's trying to hear that message at a time now where the Russians kind of the, the Russian government, I should say, is acting sort of like the worst version of our like formation of them. Like we, all these accusations we have thrown, the West has thrown at Russia f throughout the years. It seems like, 
a Russian force has risen up to like oddly confirm them and not yeah, Boris and Natasha took over. <laughs> they are cartoonishly evil. The people are, are not like it's I, I think it's it's I probably in this episode we talked about this. We're like America. I don't know if you guys know this. have done some fucked up shit. That's Mike. That's uh, a rumor. And it's I, I did see it on Reddit, though. Don't blame the citizens. I mean, they can speak up, but I mean, it's even harder in Russia because they get, you know, disappeared. Yeah, when they speak up. Does, so speaking of Boris and Tasha, does Russia currently to this day still use the perfectly spherical bombs that you light the fuse on? Oh, yeah. Is that dude. their weapon of choice? Oh, man, they love that stuff. Because you can sneak well, it into so many different things, like a bowling bag. Sure. Yeah. Or, oh, I'm pregnant. Yeah. Are you or is that a and, bomb? They invented the kettlebells like as a workout thing, so they just know how to do the perfect kettlebell swing to throw that bomb across the room. <laughs> you. Shit. you mean the hit new TikTok dance, the kettlebell swing? <laughs> but the problem is they throw it like way too early. Yes. There's a lot of like time left on the clock, yeah. and so then you get to throw it back. If you if they if they're holding it and they light it to kill you, ask them a question and they'll be like, Oh, I'm glad you asked. And they will hold that fucking bomb yeah. and answer your question. Or you can just say, like, hey, think fast and throw it back to them and they'll just catch it. Right. Hot potato. This is what Hot- Russian arc was about. Potato. Russian arc, the hottest of potatoes. Yeah, this dismissive tone we're using is exactly what Russian arc <laughs> yeah. was about. Well, we are embodying one of the main characters of Russian arc. Yeah. Oh, really? You're Russian? Cool. Mm. <laughs> you guys can't make art. <laughs> and, and I think Russian arc Lord of the proved Rings. that they could one time. Yeah, they made that, that guy movie. could. It's infuriating that his other movies are impossible to get on any streaming service. I, the the recommendation of it all, like, I do think that, I think Greg said in the beginning of last week's episode of, like, you know, people will rush up to us and after we're done signing autographs, uh, yes. what is the O2, what was the O2 movie? Um, you know, and I think that it is important that people are like, oh, of course, that, yes, you guys picked it. And that does mean that it has to have, like, it already has to be known, but... The feeling that I got watching Two Towers of like, holy shit, like, is this every movie that came before it and every movie that came after it? You know, like the whole, the all, everything that like reinvigorated me about the series when we did Fellowship of like, shit, this is new. This is rule building. This is awesome. Um, and then Two Towers was such a letdown for me compared to I have never seen anything like Russian Ark in my life ever. Yeah. Like, I got. Uh, so many movies logged on Letterboxd, guys. So many movies. Nothing is like Russian Ark. That sort quite, of cancels it for me. Quite possibly the only movie to do a one-er and not just be like, yeah, I get it. You could do a one-er. Good job, bros. And like it, I think it is intrinsic to the project of the movie uh, of flowing through time and space and everything's connected and, and disjointed, and that's how we remember history. And that's the part that doesn't get talked enough about this movie, I think, Russian Ark, is that like... It's so interesting the way it conceives of the afterlife and time intersecting. And so that, like, it's not that you have infinite time in the afterlife. You're kind of, like, circling the drain and you're eventually going to get sucked (laughs) into, like... But in that time, you can sort of, like, time travel through anywhere in the past. And you, like, sort of... You get... That all was so interesting. And trying to, like... This is why you had to watch it twice. Because you kind of try to figure out the rules. And ultimately, you probably come to the conclusion that you're not going to. Um, right. But it's very compelling in that way, and, and that you don't know how it exactly works. How much better would the movie have been if the European looked at the ghost and said, "Oh, also, I know that you're the director, and you're trying to do this wonder thing, and that's hacky too." Like even modern day yeah. Russians. Are <laughs> and then he started Russians like kind of like jumping back and forth, deeping yeah, like, a little can bit. Can you give me? Can you give Spin me? move. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now you have to Dude, edit. Now you have to edit. Here we're supposed to also talk about what doesn't work, and do you think because it's tackling what the afterlife is when he goes into the one room and squirrel nut zippers are playing in the afterlife Uh and Monkey Bone's like, wrong room. Did that take you out of it a little? (laughs) Not for me, dude. I was just like, man, the afterlife really is a a horrible strife. Uh, Later on uh, tonight (laughs) in my night, uh, as of this recording, I have to review this week's episode of Riverdale and Mm. guess what song they sing (laughs) Yeah, at the dance party. Really? Yep. Well, it, well, it's a dance party, isn't it, Ryan? What was <laughs> what was the last time that Squirrel Nut Zippers were mentioned? Twice in one of your days. <laughs> what, a, what a life you've built for yourself. <laughs> but the people you surround yourself with and the shows you choose to watch. It's voting time, gentlemen. Greg, where are you going? Oh, right to Greg, huh? Okay. Um, I think I'm going to... Uh, 
I'm gonna give it to to the the two towers. I it's way more 2002. Um, it really it it was innovative in its own ways. It, as Ryan said, like you could see so many of its influences and so much of what it influenced. I kind of want to do the cute thing with the Russian arc, but I just that's not true to me. So two towers. Cute. So if I vote for Russian arc, I'm being cute. No, it would have been for oh. me to do it. Oh, but I am being cute though. Yeah, as a button. Yeah, I mean, but you, be, you always are. Ryan vote. Uh, Russian arc. Mine is also Russian Arc. I I could see this becoming, if not an annual, a biannual rewatch. It, it is an experience unto itself. And I just, I don't get it. I don't get why I don't like Lord of the Rings. I don't fucking get it. I just <laughs> never will, and I'm going to let it go. It's because you're a hipster. I guess I'm a hipster. Next up, your seventh seed, Punch Drunk Love, versus your tenth seed, Minority Report. Angry Men? <laughs> and the things they do? I... W- Minority Report, the thing I took... I thought you were going to say Angry Men. I ask you this. I will say this, that in in a way in which they're similar to each other. It would be, uh, this is a Tom Cruise character that is, like, verboten now. Like, would never exist and will never exist ever again. Um, And in that same way, what was the other one, Mike? Punch Drunk Drunk Love. Punch Drunk Love was the Adam Sandler. Now we're more used to it, but was a a character that we'd never really had seen him do before. And so it's both kind of like working against type. What do you mean Tom Cruise character is verboten? That like he that he has like he will no longer allow himself to appear as someone who is drug addled or someone who is. And so like complicated at all. Yeah. And so that he (laughs) is like basically outlawed the idea that he could ever be somebody who is like, you know, has a flaw or, or, and that was what is compelling about this movie is that like, we expect his wife and kid to be dead. We leave the movie and we like halfway through the movie, we see his wife again. Um, And it's more like he, it's more like, Tom Cruise is dead because he just basically does drugs and puts on his Apple VR goggles and watches his, you know, his family videos every day. If I had to compare these two movies, which I do, yes? Do. Yes, right now. Yes. How about um, my two favorite, probably my two favorite directors, right? The ones that I have returned to the most, like not the greatest, but the favorites, um, uh, suffering like they always do from too many ideas. And which one buckles more from the amount of ideas poured into it? Yeah, I, I think underrated Spielberg and underwatched PTA, right? Like, are they or what we're going up against here? But one, if you shove so many ideas into sci-fi, there's always the cop of me like. Yeah, I'm making a commentary on sci-fi. <laughs> I don't know how many ideas there are. In the world? you know how many ideas that there are in the world? And those ideas got very much picked up, and then like they kind of seeded so many different worlds of sci-fi. Like, Minority Report is the genesis of a lot of movies we saw, we have seen in the 20 years since then. Punch Drug Love, to me, doesn't feel as much like that. It feels like... I don't know, maybe the, the casting of Adam Sandler in a dramatic role is like uh, something that has, has been replicated. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't feel like there's a lot that is drawn on from this movie. And I, I really enjoy Punch Trunk Love. I think it's, it's, a, it's a fun time at the movies. And, but in the... I've seen this before. Yeah. Like, I, I get it. Like, he... PTA wanted to go smaller, and hey, buddy, you, you And did. wouldn't you list almost any of his movies before this if you were recommending, like, to get a feel for him or just recommending movies? You Like, this would almost be the last on the list that you would recommend. Yeah, this is, hey, you, you become a fan, here's the B-Sides collection. Now you'll really also dig this. This is true. Like, um, to say that this movie has too many ideas is to forget about, like, Magnolia, which has literally all of them. You know, and so that's what every idea is in Magnolia. And he specifically said, but that I don't know if that works. I'm going to scale down as much as possible. You know, Um, I just I don't know if that's how I like my PTA, you know, Uh, whereas with Spielberg, the thing that impresses me constantly about this guy is that he said, I'm going to make this type of movie and did it. And there's no signs of hook. You know, or Jurassic Park in Minority Report, with the exception of the thing that we talked about last week, which was the the farmhouse tacked on ending. There isn't right. he's going in this direction the entire time. And I think that's really impressive. 
Yeah, it's a real zag when you expect Spielberg to zig, and it, it, it works for him. And it's fun, fun, fun. Like, this is a fun movie. It, uh, mentally, it's fun to try to figure out what's going on. There's a lot of yeah. good action. Looking at the technology is great. The world, as is presented, is interesting to the to the audience. So I think there's levels on which it is serving a lot more than Punch Drunk Love is. It's serving. It is Luke's. serving. Let's vote. Ryan? I Yeah, I thought, like, when you said these names, for me, I thought it was going to be way closer. But the more we talk about it, I think I'm... Minority Report in for a lot of the reasons, like I, I think it's a uh, more focused, better crafted, more important movie, and uh, it's it really belongs here. You know, like if we're talking about two thousand two, we talked about this on the Minority Report show, but like this is it as far as the peak of practical and CGI effects coming together. Or we also talked about this with the two towers, but like. Here we're we're dis- we're making decisions. What should be practical? What should be CGI? Before there's no that decision will no longer be made. Right. Except by the fat cats that will always pick CGI. <sighs> it's the giant stinky cigars Once again. Fat cats. Gregorian, chant us away. <laughs> uh, minority Report. Which kind of works if you think about it, because there's a lot of religious imagery in this movie too. So kind of, oh, sort of multiple levels. It is unanimous. Not that matters. Minority Report moves on. Now we take the quickest of breaks, and when we come back, the best sex you have ever had in 2002. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening so far. And let me just tell you that everything ahead of this commercial is much better than what came before it. That's my guarantee. While I have you here, let me tell you about a website. It's called yourpopfilter.com. And it's everything you need that's related to pop filter. Everything Mike, everything Ryan, everything Greg, everything Cassie, everything is there at yourpopfilter.com. While you're there, go to yourpopfilter.com slash Amazon. Make that your new Amazon bookmark and do your shopping from there. That way we get a little piece of the action and Amazon doesn't. Make sure you're also listening to everything that Pop Filter has to offer, which includes the Superhero Show Show, a podcast that covers every single TV show that's based on a comic book or comic book property, and Movie of the Year, where we sit down and try and figure out what is the single greatest movie of any given year. That's Superhero Show Show, that's Movie of the Year, and that's yourpopfilter.com. Rate, subscribe, review, bye! And now it's time for an award that the Oscars are too cowardly to give out. It's Best Sex. And I do feel like more with this one than any other award, we should disclaim or explain a little what we mean. Greg, what does Best Sex, the award, mean to you? To me, it means the the, um, nudity or sexual scene which made us feel not bad. Uh, the one that made us feel least bad and was like, hey, this is pretty, this is pretty hot. I think 2002 oh, interesting. is one of our better years for it. Yeah, that's not my definition, Mike. Is it yours? I was going to say, I, I disagree. Do you think it's like integral feeling. to the plot? Uh, or what is your plot. definition, rather? But most interestingly written and shot, I think. So, like, uh, so bad sex could definitely be nominated for this award. Oh, yeah. For me, it's hot and fun. Like, it, it shouldn't make me feel Like Wild better. Rivers. Yeah. But that's honestly, I, in a lot of years, it's very, like very hard to like, like maybe one of the things will actually be hot and fun. And I felt like this one, we had full movies that were dedicated to like, you know, titillating sex. Well, as international as we, energy. as international as we try to be, it's very, we're very American biased and American movies are so fucking scared yeah. of sex. Yeah. yeah. Like, ooh, could we just replace some of the sex with intense violence? I just want to blow somebody's face off. Yeah, I don't if we just have to. Where they are smooching and she's topless. What if instead he is beating a hobo's head in with a lead pipe? Whereas my kind of movie not only has a lady taking off her shirt to show her two boobs, she shows three boobs. Ooh, That's third, my kind of movie. A third boob, the thinking man's boob. <laughs> <laughs> Historically, Ryan only actually likes one movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have different de- definitions of best sex, so let's see. Who took it all down? Uh, not nominated is the clear winner. And I'm saying that you two, uh, Cucks, K 
kept this from winning. It's a little man walks into a vagina. Yeah. How is that not the best sex, guys? It's not hot. It just hot. makes me think of a joke too much. <laughs> that doesn't doesn't fit my definition. Uh, if it were something that's integral to the plot of the movie, though, I think it is. It's so important for understanding that particular movie. So, like, but you know, that's from talk to her. By the way, I don't know yeah. if I said yes. that. Um, God, just. Oh, we both said yeah. Like we do. Yes, it's for those. I forget that sometimes things are for them too. Mike. The first nominee is not when the Coogs and his friend get blowjobs in the van, but it's <laughs> in the uh, bathroom stall later. Full penetration. Where his girlfriend is getting reamed. Well, uh, one, it, I think it hits Greg's criteria and Ryan's criteria. Yeah. I think it's interestingly shot. It is hot because, like, porta potty sex is gross. Bar bathroom sex when you're faded and it's for revenge. That's hot. Yeah, it, it, that's what it is for me. It's it's the like, oh, you're getting a blowjob. Well, yeah, like I know what to do. I can one answer up. this in one second. Because of interest, like you have to add interest to the oh, principle. Yeah. And and when you take the real guy and go, I don't think I actually did that with her. And you're <laughs> like that 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 was one of the best meta moments of twenty four. And the way he comes in and just chastises her for its unfairness. That, yes. Like this is not really equal, but like it's not like <laughs> he's like I want the keys to the car and I'm gonna leave. And by the way, you're overdoing it, <laughs> uh, Mike. For the second nominee, I'm gonna go to you again, uh, and then we're just gonna let Greg go off uh, because your second nominee is the upside down kiss from Spider Man. It's 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 sexy, which is like in superhero movies that's not allowed to happen. Uh, even the uh, ostracized eternal sex scene is not sexy. Uh, and th- this is, it's wet, it's hot, they're like heaving, uh, and it's romantic, and it's like important moments for both of their characters. It's kind of shot like nine and a half weeks style. <laughs> you know, like uh, there's like the dripping water and it's kind of steamy. They open the fridge and start putting food on each other and eating it off each other. <laughs> uh, Mike, does it bother you at all that the scene was stolen from the hit show The O.C.? I do. I think they should have at least given it like at the credit. bottom, right? Like, yeah, closed captions at the bottom. Yeah, yeah, as inspired by Summer and Seth. All right, Greg, you're going to tell All us right. about the next one. Here we go. Mike, feel free to chime in, but uh, there probably won't be room. Uh, your next nominee is the bathtub from Unfaithful. Now, this is important because this is actually Richard Gere and Diane Lane. Yeah. Um, and then, like, she's trying to have sex with him in the bathroom, or in the bathtub, and then he's like, let's go to the bed. And well, she's, she's like, trying to wipe off her, the Sharpie on her Yeah, pelvis. this is mine. Yeah, it's it, there's so much tension, and not just of the sexual variety. Yeah. And then, but like, they're, like, not, they're not really vibing. Right. So this is what I, that, this is why I think I'm not, I'm not as excited about this one. I hate children um, that are listening out there. The biggest lie the movies ever told us was that two people in a bathtub is like sexy and fun. It's fucking awful. It's just there's no room. There's feet and dodes everywhere. I, I think it's uh, so everybody has more dodes than you'd expect in the bathtub. <laughs> it, I think it is a sexy and cute start. To sure. Stuff. But if you're like, let's keep trying, you're both throw your backside even though you're 22. One thing that's hard cabin. though, you have to like towel off and then like you're kind of cold but you're like still wet like, it, it, uh, transitioning out of it can be awkward as well that's when a fireplace comes into play in real life you around. just go like time out let's dry off and have sex next week <laughs> <laughs> oh we're old let's get room service greg the next time or the next nominee is called the first time um come up to my apartment i'll yeah. fix your knee we'll dance to this song oh my god oh. we're having sex yeah uh and this is not richard gear not this is Richard Olivier Gere. Martinez. So, are we talking about the first time they have sex, or just the first time they kind of meet? Because they don't actually have sex that first time. The first time they have sex. The first time they have sex. Yeah, uh, steamy, and it's not like they're giving into it. You know, um, it's wrong. All that, mm-hmm. all that works on a lot of levels. Because she, I mean, the whole time she's like, I can't, I can't. Yeah, a lot of that, like, yeah, some, some, some of that, that borderline. You know, uh, no, but yes. Um, I'm gonna assume we'll talk about Diane Lane's performance later, but her on the subway, uh huh, remembering it, which is I think where we Ooh. see most of it. It just like her going back and forth between crying, I've ruined my life, and like giggling out of yeah. continued ecstasy. Yeah, she likes it. Why did you delete that show, Mike? I just it was too steamy. <laughs> yeah, oh, I forgot it was Apple that did it. Uh, and then your final nominee, Greg, is the hallway. Yeah. From- I mean, this has got to be the one, right? They're, like, fighting with each other. It's got that, like, public vibe to it. The 
the sex in this movie, it's not like it's it's slightly problematic, and mm-hmm. I think it explores that, and I think it does it in a way that could be fun and not like I you know that you have to like get up on your soapbox and argue about. And there is certainly like a combative element to this, but it's the part where afterward where she turns to him or like after they've been fighting and it seems like it's about to go down and she turns around to him and says, are you going to fuck me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry. Like, that, that really stood out in the entire movie. And I think that is Mike probably Mike has windshield why... wipers on his glasses. That are <laughs> if like if it up. wins, it's that probably that line of dialogue that carries it. I mean, the it's... problematicness can be solved by saying that the movie, so it's not directed by a woman, but the point of view of the movie is so clearly Diane Lane's point of yes. view, you know? Yeah. And then that but... line that both made me and Mike erect that Greg just said is, <laughs> that's key. It's, I, I'm more erect when Greg says it, actually, than when Diane Lane says it. Um, I think one of the, the, the real issues with living in such a sexless cinematic culture is that we, we learn and think and philosophize through the art we consume. And this movie, I think, tackles in such a uh, good way that uh, sex can be problematic. Sex isn't just one thing. It's it's all these different yeah. levels, and they're, they're mashed together. And it, the, the sterile environment we live in today really, I think, does a disservice to how the youngins are are learning and thinking about sex. There's a huge growing push of people that are younger than us that are saying, like, why is there sex in movies? It should be gone. And I'm not going so far as to quote the people who say that um, if you're going to have a character have sex in movies, then they need the character's consent and the audience member's consent. It's just sex is too distracting to have in movies, and that's a bummer because Unfaithful puts that sin back in cinema. I think if they if they can be shot in an ethical way, I don't think that it's bad to have sex in things. I think that we have proven that, like as a film culture, we don't do a good job of protecting performers. Yeah, in having that intimacy environment. coordinators and don't have creep directors who but are the, just like, don't tell her you're gonna do this thing to her. There's the other uh, side who uh, says intimacy coordinators. Oh, you fucking little bitches, you need that too. Have so, you guys seen the maybe first we just episode? don't listen to fringes? Have you guys seen the first episode of The Idol? Mm-mm. It's all. It's kind of about that. It's like when there's an intimacy coordinator, like who gets to say, and like, do we even have a culture where, like, somebody can freely decide to like show their body, or like, is that are we so far down the road, like captured by this like misogynistic culture that it's not even possible? I recently made myself a promise that I was like, any show that's on HBO on Sundays, I'm gonna watch because I, I'm tired of being behind society. Then the idol came out, and I was like, "Nah, I don't. I'm not gonna fucking do that." I mean, is it bad? It's it's hard. I you know, so far he has laid one card down on the table, and so I find it hard to judge based on that because sometimes the way in which things are bad is the point of the show, and so I'm not ready to 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 judge it just yet. It's um, I don't know. It's not great. <laughs> I don't know what we're talking about, but it's no longer Best Sex of 2002, <laughs> so let's reveal the winner. Your nominees are Revenge Sex in the Bathroom from 24-Hour Party People, The Bathtub from Unfaithful, The First Time from Unfaithful, The Hallway from Unfaithful, and The Upside Down Kiss from Spider-Man, and your winner is... Uh, Mike, what do you think here? I, I mean, the way noises happened. My guess is that hallway. It's the hallway. Action in the hallway? <laughs> what is this, Daredevil? <laughs> oh. We're going to take the quickest of breaks, wipe up, and when we come back, more battles. <laughs> Sorry, Greg. Yeah, that was nasty. <laughs> Hola, Felterinos. I just wanted to interrupt real briefly and say thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. If you want to support us a little more directly, you can go to patreon.com slash yourpopfilter. There, depending on what tier you pick, $1 a month, $5 a month. If you're crazy, anything more than $5 a month, don't do that. You can get extra content. There's extra shows, extra series, uh, behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, You could pay for Ryan to draw you a picture. Uh, I can write you a poem. You can get the shirts off our very own backs. All of that and so much more over at patreon.com slash yourpopfilter. While you're on the internet, you should check out Shady Monk. He does all the tunes you've been listening to. He's on Bandcamp. He's on Spotify, uh, SoundCloud, wherever kids get their music these days that I'm too old to know. Shady Monk lives there. Uh, You can probably follow him on Twitter and Instagram as well. That's Shady Monk. Wherever you get music, check him out. Round one, 
Battle 7. The oft-aforementioned unfaithful from the Best Sex Award versus Catch Me If You Can. I think unfaithful was like closing in on movie of the year and then it got to its third act and they were like they had made two-thirds of a european movie and Mm -hmm. then they were like you know what um nah let's make this last third be as american as fuck and that's really it just absolutely falls apart it becomes almost like a parody of itself if uh Olivier Martinez's like dad came through a window with guns ablazing, and then Richard Gere had to kill him too. Little hook knives. Yeah, yeah. It just it it go it it jumps the shark in such a profound way, like including like with the the way the guy's blood looks when. So gets... does this start with the snow globe? Yeah. I would yeah I would say the part where the two guys come together and they're going to talk about what's going on. You have still a very interesting movie. But when suddenly Richard Gere starts having like a panic attack and then going like, no, 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 no. And then like as if he's Schmidt or something. And then he uses the snow globe to kill the guy and like the weird red paint that runs down his face. And then everywhere the movie goes from there is just it's it's following a disappointing decision. And so each turn then is disappointing. Yeah, I mean, throw good money after bad, right? Yeah, like exactly. we, yeah. we're on and, this path now. I don't uh, like totally agree with you. I think that it still feels like this parody to me slight slight subtle parody that the whole movie was that's i think that's the problem is that there are elements of parody earlier in the movie but it becomes only that and it never pushes it far enough to be like i think what you're doing is purposeful because if you squint you could be like i just don't think you know how to make this kind of movie like do you think like the wind forcing them together was almost shot in like a funny way on purpose yeah and you but know they lost it for too long for yeah the end doesn't feel like see what i'm doing and talking about adult thrillers it just feels like i don't fucking and know there's that. like there's a part of me that with this movie in particular uh like and usually movies like this don't make it into the bracket mm-hmm. um but there's a part of me that like i would switch back and forth with unfaithful specifically more than any other movie and say like i am loving this because it's great i'm loving this despite like against right. the movie you know uh but still, to me, like, I'm trying to, like, pull a Taylor, I guess, you know, or once in a while co-host Taylor and, like, still add that up as enjoyment. Like, it's all the same right. amount of enjoyment. Um, oh, sure. One thing for sure is that Diane Lane is captivating and beautiful in it. But, like, more than that, like, her performance in it is a standout performance. And it's kind of a shame that the movie doesn't shine quite as brightly as she does because i think it would be a more widely known performance if the rest of the movie could kind of live up to to it yeah act in circles around everybody else around her and then catch me if you can say what you want but i feel like this in this matchup like catch me if you can is not perfect but i feel like when you compare these two movies it starts looking a lot for me anyways it starts looking a lot better it i think it sets its tone immediately and it knows it and and pulls through uh it knows what its bars and what it wants to do. This is the hard for me. I, I think that I like Catch Me If You Can a lot. I don't know if I was number one on the show. It was between me and Mike. I know that Greg was third, but yeah. Uh, but I think that I like Unfaithful so much that I don't know. This this is not easy for me. Yeah, if we said you guys hate when I do this, but if I said what, let's watch one right now, what would you be more likely to be fired up to watch? Russian Ark. <laughs> Well, I, I, th- this is a shitty answer because uh, I watched Catch Me If You Can two weeks ago and Unfaithful eight years ago, so yeah. Unfaithful. But uh, say, hey, it's Christmas night, the family's gathering around, and the family has no sex hangups. What do we want to watch? It's Catch Me If You Can. Uh, <laughs> I guess I'm also nervous, too, about being that other type of film dork that's on my shoulder of, like, let's just get the two Spielberg movies together in the finals and let's see what happens. <laughs> let's let's fucking party. What they want. But if something... We're not talking about Warhorse here. Like, I, I think there's so much good going on in Catch Me If You Can. Can you believe you've said that so many times it's your new catchphrase? <laughs> I just, they're selling shirts in the store. <laughs> we were talking about Warhorse. Well, I don't care. Now you're talking about something different. Now you're talking about Mike, aren't you, baby? That's the power talking of catchphrases. The, the problem with the idol on HBO Sundays. <laughs> I thought for sure you were going to say the Irish. The problem with the Irish. <laughs> the problem with the Irish. That's why Gangs of New York isn't moving forward. 
All right. Let's vote, Greg. Yeah, I, I think Catch Me If You Can um, is the clear the clear victor here. Ryan. I, for me, it's hard to put up You Were So Bad, You Were Good against You Were Just So Good, You Were Good. So uh, Unfaithful is great. Highly recommend it. Catch Me If You Can. Uh, Catch Me If You Can moves on. Unfaithful, possibly the last sexy movie ever made in America. Yeah, well, if you want to see a time. steamy movie, I mean, I do think it provides that. You know what we could do? I'm not saying anything, but instead of going forward in time for Motu, if we went backwards, we might find a sexier sex. time. Interesting. I'll take it to the board. See okay. what they have to say, as long as I'm still in power. Your last battle, checking the notes, is this true? Your last battle of round one. Now it's getting serious. Movies about cities. 25th hour versus Chicago. 25th hour is about Portland, yes? It's it's Portland, Maine, <laughs> the movie. Beautiful Portland, Maine. That might be where the prison Monty is headed to, is near. I don't know. I don't know which city I want to move to if I had to choose between these two after watching these movies. They're both crime-ridden. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's what I've learned about these big liberal cities. <laughs> <laughs> Although one, if I have a thought, I can sing it. Very oh. true. I I have to say, people might think of musicals. On some podcasts, I could see something being a musical being a drawback. But I don't know if it's just this musical or if it's just this podcast or it's a combination of the both. But 25th Hour does not have any songs or dance numbers. And it feels rude to put it above a movie that has both of those things. And Barry Pepper looks like he could do like a mean river dance at least. Ha ha ha. Also, we were just saying Unfaithful is the last sexy movie we might ever had. It was in Chicago, like, twice as sexy as Unfaithful, even though there's, there's no boobies or actual sex in well, it. Well, it stars one Captain Data Jones, who is... Doing a cat eye, which is just such a great and form a of makeup. Bob. Yeah. And dancing, like... And John C. Riley. Mm. Mm. Just clowning it up, and I mean it in the traditional sense. The cur- with the curly hair. And Queen Latifah. Hats off. To Queen Latifah. We're on a podcast that uh, loves a show tune or two, but we're also on a podcast that uh, says, would you give me Spike Lee? I don't care. Give it to me. Give me more. Sometimes more than we should, maybe. We're we're in his bag, Uh right? Like, it is even Spielberg, I think, is fully yours, Ryan, and and you, but like we can peel away sometimes, right? But I, there's something about Spike Lee that is the in the Venn diagram of the three of us. We just go more, more of whatever insane garbage or amazing talented stuff you have to show. And this us. is maybe the last movie of his that you would think of, right? Like if yeah. you said like name Spike Lee movies, don't you think there's a good chance this would come in last? Oh, like the five last hours one, yeah. later. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. There's there's a ton of those movies that we don't talk about anymore, but I. Uh, yeah, I, uh, this is not as thought of as we we think, and it's just so. This and Inside Man are him like saying, "I can take Hollywood scripts and I can lead them the fuck up," you know. And it because like we talked about on the show, this is written by the Game of Thrones guy. Yeah. yeah, most of these movies either were not aware of nine eleven or kind of ignored it, and this is the movie that looks at like full in the face, but. It doesn't feel like 9-11 gets in the way or like dealing with 9-11 gets in the way of what's being talked about. It feels like an, an, a, like, like an accent to what's going on. Or, and and, and, and that, that way of handling 9-11, which is the, as the backdrop to everything that happens, felt very real to me as somebody who lived through yeah. that time. I think 9-11, more than um, his mirror speech, yes. is, the thing, is the one wall that... It, the dividing thing of you being either now nah, this is too much and i'm out or this is risky greatness and i love it i maybe the scene where they stand in the apartment right above like the hole in the ground and the like arabic music plays in the background like uh, maybe that was That's like the misstep yeah that, I, I think, think that was me. because and the re- philip seymour hoffman walks over he's like oh shit what happened <laughs> <laughs> oh no your neighbors <laughs> be a thing there I was you, out of town for You think you'd hear about that. Uh, but, yeah, like, besides that, it mostly lets it kind of recede into the, the background and just be, you know, part of the, the, the universe that the, the story is told in. In, in. in such a more natural way than so many. The I'm sure on 
that show we talked about but like remember me is such the hackiest worst version of like oh is that the robert pattinson me? one yeah this is one where you don't know until the very end it's like and he was in the building you're like what a surprise 9-11 <laughs> i do have to say though like when when the two movies are brought up i feel more excitement about chicago not that that's the, the everything that matters but i feel like maybe there's a lot more levels and maybe this is a big part of it 25th hour has whole elements of it specifically the stuff with the philip seymour hoffman teacher and his student that like kind of like give me the ick in a way that never happens in chicago like there's no part of it that i'm i don't know like confused about or something chicago is such a movie that knows it's a movie in a stage show the way the characters when they sing go on a black box theater stage and so I, i think it it very much like it, it is dealing with murder and it is dealing with, you know, how women use sex to get what they need to survive. But in such a like yeah. kind of way that you're never like, oh, I'm going to think of the real repercussions of this right now. Yeah, I if we want to go by Ebert's definition of set your bar and clear it, mm-hmm. I just it's it seems crazy to me. And before we did this season. If you told me this was the matchup, I'd be like, oh, there's a slam dunk for sure. And here I think there is, but it's not the one I said I would have said before we started the season. Do you want to say words? Uh, I have to. If we're voting right now, I have to say sorry, Spike. I just think there's too many flaws. There's too many missteps. There's too many. um, It's not like uh, broken threads, like storyline threads, but there is. uh, I'm going to tackle that. No, you know what? Never mind. And Chicago, right. I think that you said it best, Mike. Like, let's fucking make a movie. Let's make a movie-ass movie. And I know we don't and we shouldn't vote like this, but, like, Spike Lee is going to get other chances. Yeah. And his he has other movies that are better. So will Rob, Rob Marshall. Rob Marshall when the little mermaid might have had Miller one <laughs> great movie in him, and this is it. And uh, I think there is a way in which, even though we are singing its praises, I think there's a way in which because we've had 20 years to accept how amazing Chicago is that maybe we take it for granted a little bit. But if you showed somebody this movie fresh now, the amount of people just like laying it all on the line and selling out totally for their performances Mm -hmm. is like, I don't know. It it serves every single minute works in this movie. And it it just feels very efficient in that way. I know it seems like that the three of us and Taylor was on that show. So the four of us seem like we all just, when we talk about movies, jerk each other off and have the exact same opinions, but that's not true at all. Like we are susceptible to different stuff and we are, you know, looking for different stuff. And the way that all four of us came on here and we're just like, well, that was fucking undeniable. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Chicago does it all. And like 25th hour was so Great to watch and great to talk to you guys about, but when it comes down to pick something, I don't think so. Yeah. One is nearly flawless. Chicago moves on. That is all the battles for today. We're going to take the quick as a break, and when we come back, let's get a little violent. It's time to give the award for what America loves. Best violence. Uh, so not nominated, Mike, and I'm so sorry to say this to you, is there's some fucking bitchy kid saying, like, this isn't true. You're not going to have a battle royale. And the teacher puts a fucking knife right through his head. That There's so much violence in that movie. I do think that is, and I don't know if more come up, but, like, that is when you go, oh, shit, that's what movie we're in right now. This Even is a you, battle there's a, royale. There's a, there's a prelude where the, the, there's a girl smiling. She's the survivor. But, like, it is surprising. And... Oh, it's it's awesome. It's such a good, beautiful violent I mean, moment. Y- you have an idea they're going to kill each other. Right. You didn't know the teacher was going to get involved. Yeah, that he, 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 oh, this guy has some personal, like, issues with these kids he's going to let out right Or now. that knife. Maybe yeah, he hated well, that knife. Well, he hated that knife. Get, get out, out of here, you. knife. <laughs> Oop, sorry. Uh, Greg, I'm going to go to you for this one, but I think you might hate this, so maybe let Mike talk about it. But it's the uh, window crasher in the Born Identity. Oh, Yeah. I wouldn't say best violence. This is like... This is Stupidest? A, the board identity is so much where you're like, yeah, I guess that's how that would really happen. And then this guy comes through the window and it's like, what was your plan here, bud? Is this also the guy he rides down the... 
Yeah, stairwell. I, think, I think it might be. No. Oh, no. Because no, this guy go, is like, when right he's back losing. out the window. This guy, when he's losing, jumps out the window. Yeah. <laughs> and that's... Uh, it, this might be like... I might be too hypnotized by Fast and the Furious style cartoonish <laughs> violence. And so I know that is not Born Identity's thing. But it's just hilarious entry way pretty cool hand-to-hand combat for a while and then hilarious exit to the city and when he busts through isn't he like dual wielding uzis yep. yeah <laughs> it's so funny it's like another uh, movie burst through the window into yeah. this movie they did not tell this actor what kind of movie they were trying to do he was supposed to hit the window for the fast movie filming next to him and yeah <laughs> yes. it was in this one uh mike your next nominee is the final battle and i'll let you tell us what this means from spider-man Hopefully you include New Yorkers saying, you mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. And I'm sure that line was written, I heard, before 9-11. It had nothing to do with that thing. That's just how New York has always been. Uh, Real, real (laughs) charming togetherness kind of folk with each other. Uh, The whole, yeah, the the Peter, uh, his face is half fucked up. Uh, him and Goblin, and it, it's it's big and it's operatic, and Harry's just like scurrying from the corner, watching Spider Man, what he thinks kill his dad, and it's just everybody's screaming their emotional truth at that point in the movie. But it's because of who is directing and who is screaming it that it it's not super cheesy. It's just awesome. Let's not forget um, the uh, what do you call it? The Goblin Rider. The, yeah, the glider. Uh, the glider gets turned back on and Spider-Man yes. flips over it and then it cuts to the closest close-up of Willem <laughs> Dafoe going, oh no. And then it kills him. <laughs> Catch me in the Florida project. <laughs> Why does he do little previews for his other movies? Because <laughs> well, he wants to know that he, he wants you to know there's something he can take seriously. <laughs> Greg, the next nominee I'm confused by because this is not musical moment. That's later. Okay. But here for best violence is Cell Block Tango. Yeah, there, I mean... This is best violence should be like a little exciting. Uh, and this really is. There's different types of violence. Uh, it's a flashback to, to fun murders. <laughs> uh, hanky, red hankies. Dude. Yes. Yeah. Isn't oh, that better than the blood that came down? Not guilty. Olivia Martinez's face with the snow globe. Like the hanky <laughs> yeah. was what more if, realistic. What if Richard Gere was just like shaking a red hanky on <laughs> Olivia Martinez? What are you doing? <laughs> That's blood. That's blood, baby. Uh, Mike, let's go back to Battle Royale, but this time we're in that tower where everyone has an Uzi and they're screaming at the top of their lungs. It is, yet they are dumb, annoying, dramatic high school kid-ass kids, and this scene really reminds you of that. And everybody, like, they thought they had an alliance until, wait, somebody poisoned somebody, I'll kill all of my friends. Anybody who says the only way to fight a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun, watch this scene and see what happens when you give everybody guns. Yeah, it's it's pretty random. It's pretty random. Everybody comes out, I think, on top. Greg, the final nominee tonight. It's kicked out of the bracket, but now let's talk about the Battle of Helm's Deep. A 45-minute scene of violence? Yes. uh, This is, like, when you are watching uh, The Two Towers, what you want to see is the Battle of Helm's Deep. I really feel like it looms so large uh, over the entire movie, and then it delivers. Yeah, they make sure every part of it works. Uh, the orcs have a good little plan, which is to uh, use that little like drainage ditch to to blow up the wall. When all hope is absolutely lost, Gandalf appears, which the movie should not. They tell you it's going to happen, and obviously it's going to happen, and it's what Gandalf always does. And yet, when it happens, even this like 18th showing of the movie, I was like, oh my god, Gandalf is here to save them. Is there one of the deleted scenes? It's like Gandalf around the corner and just being like, nah, Wait nope, for not it. yet. Not a yet. wizard well, rides exactly he's when he wants. Sun to rise. Yeah. And, and that, that is, that, there's so many dope moments, and I know I'm uh, the, the hater on the show, but that is so dope where the, the orcs look up and they can't see because they all have shiny ass shields and the sun, the way it hits. Yeah. yeah. And then they ride down a cliff face that's like, yeah. Way too, way too sharp, or the horses look like they're gonna fall, and they just crash into the orcish lines. And another thing that's kind of cool about it is you can see the orcish lines reform, and so you can see what it does to their formation. And for fans of the book, like he spends so much time talking about the way they form up, and so to actually see that is a pretty cool moment. And we get a fastball special. Hell yeah! Of course. Uh, Your nominees for best violence are Born versus Window Crasher. Cell Block Tango from Chicago, The Battle of Helm's Deep, The Final Battle from Spider-Man, and The Gunfight in the Tower from Battle Royale. And your winner is The Gunfight in the Tower. Nice. It really, I think it does sum up everything we think about violence. Yeah, it's, it's goofy, it's, stupid, brutal. 
Yes. And it, it, yeah, the tonal shifts, it captures all of those things. And it really, it um, does seem like teenage violence because they go from yes. having like a big fight, a big verbal fight to everyone shooting everyone. But if you think that you'd be better with guns than these teenagers, you're wrong. No, Did that's why That's why I don't, I don't truck with guns, Ryan. Did you guys see the horrifying and hilarious thing that dropped the week we're recording of uh, there was an active shooter in a high school and everybody locked down successfully. And so the kids, somebody got a picture from a school security camera and they're just razzing him on his Facebook page. He didn't what get shitty. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it is so Brazil, the movie. And like, this is so funny and sick. And oh, my God, but these kids are hilarious and burning the kid who couldn't even fucking shoot them. It's it's crazy. What a world we live in. Maybe you got to shoot your shot should not be a famous catchphrase. Maybe we should take that out of the uh, lexicon. Retire that phrase. And you know what? Let's retire this episode. <laughs> that is all the time we have. We're coming back next week. We're going to finish up the battles. We're going to give awards for musical moment, biggest shithead, best actress, best actor, and wrap up 2002 in all of its messy glory. Until then, keep watching.